What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, I speak with Shay Teague of Atolis. You know what sucks? Losing your sunglasses. Losing them, not only just on land, but it sucks even worse when you're on the water. Because you know what? Anytime you're out on the water, whether you're paddling, stand-up paddleboard, kayak, surfing, fishing, what have you, right? Wherever you need your pair of sunglasses out on the ocean, when you lose them, typically, that's kind of your only pair. And you know what? Being out on the water without sunglasses absolutely sucks. And as a man who's always out on the water, working, um, enjoying myself, you know, it, it, it really sucks, especially when you donate it to the ocean. So there they are sitting on the gunnel or you put them on your head and they slide off and bloop, they're gone, right? Well, Shay had the same problem. You know, he has a, a life, which a lot of it is spent out on the water. Um, he's an avid fisherman. So when he was out paddleboarding one day and went to go grab a great picture, you know, it, it wasn't the first time this happened, but his sunglasses, he put them down and two seconds later, they were in the water and they were gone. Well, sunglasses nowadays aren't exactly cheap, right? A good pair of sunglasses can run you between 200 to 400 to $500, right? So after two or three pairs, I mean, you could drop almost a grand on sunglasses alone. So, you know, it's another added expense to an already expensive hobby, right? Life on the water is not exactly cheap. So when Shay decided that he was going to take a stand against this and create a product that not only kept the sunglasses on his head, but if they were to go over, they would float. And not only that, but you got to look good too, right? They aesthetically have to be somewhat pleasing. So Shay decided to create Atolis, which is the only floating eyewear keeper that not only works great, but looks incredible. I'm super excited to share this episode with you guys. Shay and I had a great conversation. Uh, a few of the topics that we brought up was uh, how athletics and entrepreneurship kind of play hand in hand, um, as well as learning about his first startup company that he currently still runs and is very successful, and how those things kind of interlock and overlap in some ways. So it was a great time talking with Shay. Can't wait to have you guys listen to this episode of Along the Keel, and make sure to stick around towards the end because we have some pretty cool announcements coming your way. Enjoy. So now when you started Atolis, was this just, I mean, it was like a one-off thing for you, right? And then from your main job, which is with the other startup, or I guess you wouldn't even call it a startup now, right? Because you've been in, you know, been in business for a while. <sighs> yeah. Back then it was a startup. I started a lot of stuff at the same time and I'll, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it was, uh, it, I started both about eight years ago. Um, okay. Palo, who is the, uh, the tech company that I, that I work for, right. um, that started back in 2013 and I was right around, you know, I was, I was losing sunglasses left and right. I was on the water yep. a lot and looking for a solution there. And so that just kind of around the same time that that's where I started sprouting the idea for a toll is so. Right, right. Now, we're, you know, I mean, you're, you being from South Carolina, is that where you are originally from? Or have you kind of moved around, or moved around a bit? No, yeah. So um, I haven't moved around quite a bit. When I was a baby, we were, I know my folks are from Louisiana, both my mom and my dad. Um, right. I don't know how far back you want to go, but I must have just started at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, both my folks are from Louisiana, uh, mom from a very small town, Cecilia, very rural, um, Cajun country town. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad's from New Orleans. They met at Louisiana State University, uh, got married. 
Um, we were in, they were lived in Baton Rouge and then they lived in, uh, Kansas, uh, then Virginia. Um, and then they moved to Atlanta and I was about in second grade when we moved to Atlanta and that's where we grew up. So I grew up North gotcha. of Atlanta in a town called Johns Creek. Um, and, um, was not nowhere near the water. So I didn't grow up on the water, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, didn't start experiencing fun times in the water till later in life, but ended up, you know, going to school at university of Georgia and then, uh, you know beginning my degree in landscape architecture and moving from there. Right. Which is so strange because landscape architecture compared to what you do in the tech industry with, and then turning that into what would be a toll. Am I saying that right? A tollus? A tollus. Yeah. That's a tollus. Yeah. Okay. A tollus. Yeah. Right. Um, from the, like the jellyfish. Like the jellyfish, like the Atolla okay. jellyfish. You looked it up. It's a very fascinating creature. So yeah. honored to pay homage to it. Of course. Of course. Now, we, I mean, I think it's important to kind of touch on, you know, what you're doing with Hallow because that in turn kind of shapes to where you, you know, you get your grit and your entrepreneurial spirit to then, you know, pursue this side hustle, which is another passion of yours, like helping students is in one hand and the other hand is being out on the water. And then there's this merger of the two, right? Because you always learn from both sides of the coin, right? Sure. The successes and the failures. So <clears throat> just touch on, give us like a quick rundown as to how that even started and wh what that is exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started my, my career in landscape architecture. I wanted to be a, a land planner, design like resorts and communities and things like that. I'm a very mm -hmm. creative person by nature. There's a lot of engineering involved in that degree as well. So I did start learning about you know, as bad as I am at math, I started finally figuring out, uh, even, so the am slowest, I. <laughs> even the slowest boat gets down the river, as they say. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, so I had that landscape architecture blend, blended the creative, the creative side of me, which I love. I'm very right brain, um, mm. left-handed. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess that's, if you want to connect it with the right brain, but anyway, sure. um, but had a little bit of engineering there as well. And so I started cutting my teeth as a landscape architect, um, and then around that time, I was actually in Fort Lauderdale. That's where I started. And that's where I kind of got connected to the water for the first time. I, first right. time I lived on the water, I was right down the street from A1A. So I could just ride my bike. And there's all kinds of canals and things like that where you just, I mean, tarpon, snook, everything in between were just at your fingertips. Yeah. And I had a bunch of buddies who fished and they took me along and I didn't catch anything. I want to make that <laughs> clear. But I learned a lot and started really uh, getting a taste for the water. They paddleboarded and surfed and stuff. And I just, you know, oh, cool. I started just getting salty hair. Um, so that's where that water, love for the water came from. But um, by that time, I, I met a, a gentleman named Casey Welch. And um, mm -hmm. he, he was the brainchild behind Tallow, the company I work with right now. And um, we had a mutual friend um, at the company I worked for. She actually was a landscape architect and her sister is Casey's wife. Oh, so, yeah. So it's kind of like a small mm. world and how things kind of come together. But um, so he had this idea um, and we got to know each other well enough. But I thought he was a defense. He was from defense. His family's from a defense contracting company and his dad mm. was energy. And so he, he really came from like the manufacturing defense space. Mm -hmm. And he never talked about what he did. And I just always thought, well, he must be in the military side of things. He can't talk about it too much. But then he, he said one night we're having a beer and he said, so um, what do you think of this idea of having like a rivals.com? or an ESPN top 100 type website where athletes can showcase their skills or talents and abilities, you know, let show where they're committing, let coaches watch, you know, watch uh, their highlight films, things like that. Right. So what if that exists for academic and technical talent? What if that exists for mm. everyone else out there? Because there's colleges and companies who are dying to tap into that talent pool, but they, right now they have no way except right. for like setting a table up at a college or career fair and hoping that the right person passes by. Right. And, you know, he knew I was a, he knew I was an athlete and I immediately got it. It just clicked in my head. I was like, 
that surely exists already, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it doesn't. And mm-hmm. so we talked about it a little bit, um, had a few more beers. Um, and then towards the end of the, towards the end of it, we said, he said, what do you think about joining me on this? And I said, as long as you know, my formal degrees in landscape architecture, and I'm in no <laughs> way qualified for this whole thing. He's a very, then we're good. Guy. Yeah, then we're good. <laughs> and he said, listen, I, I think you'd be a good fit. Um, you know, kind of a jack of all trades, Yeah. Uh, help with marketing website, um, other stuff, sales. Right. And uh, so I joined him. And uh, we joined a couple other people and we started building this thing. Um, he had already laid the foundation. And uh, eight years later, um, still going, over a million users, all 50 states, got some That's really incredible. cool clients. Yeah, thank you. It's really cool. Um, yeah. You learned, learned a whole lot. And, uh, you know, and that goes to speak to you uh, when you mentioned, like, you know, kind of like what you learn in this, in this, I guess, the entrepreneurial world is it was, yeah. it, I learned to be confident. Um, mm-hmm. you got pushed into the fire so many times when you know you were so unqualified, you felt like a fish out of water. <laughs> you, you really did. And you, you, you were like, there's no, there's these people here that, that I'm going to, I, I felt like a, a fake, you know? Right. Yep. But eventually as I got more and more experience and I started learning and, and feeling things out and, and trusting myself, um, I started getting more and more confidence and some things right. that would scare me years ago to death. Mm-hmm. I now see as, Hey, I can handle it. So that yeah. gave me the courage to explore other, um, you know, other pursuits, which for sure being Atolas. Exactly. Now, do you think, um, you know, that's such a great, we had such a great conversation prior to this, you know, recording on, you know, feeling that, you know, like you're like you are a fake, right. That imposter syndrome. And, yes, and, that was right. Imposter syndrome. And, and having that confidence, you know, after building this experience, how much of that do you think you can attribute to being an athlete? Because I feel as though a lot of athletes in general are able to really stay consistent, set their mind onto something. Mm-hmm. And those that are successful know how to push through that barrier. And I find that, you know, whether you're an athlete in the sport of golf, weightlifting, kickboxing, whatever sport it is, whitewater rafting, you know, you, you name it, having that mentality and confidence that'll, that's going to pull you through, mm-hmm. I think is a really good attribute and it carries really well over into, you know, the world of entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, no, totally. And Zach, I would say you look like a, you look like a rugby player. So I would assume <laughs> like you probably played some contact sports in your day. I, I, um, I played, yeah, a few, a few, yeah. I, I bet. Looks it, man. You look huge. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but no, Shout out that, to Providence Barbell Club. There you go. <laughs> he's already, already, yeah, he's repping the t-shirt. That's great. <laughs> Got a rep, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a great, that's a really, that's a really interesting thing you brought up, Zach, um, about, you know, did sports contribute to, to any of this? Um. I think it it did in my in in, in my circumstances. Um, I think s- sports really taught me that you know it's success isn't going to come overnight. You've mm-hmm. got to put the training in. You know, I was a pitcher. I was a left-handed pitcher, and uh, I was pretty crafty. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really need a lot of velocity to keep batters um, off balance. Um, right. But as I started getting into the more competitive games and working in you know in travel teams and AAU and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And really, you know, summer league and really playing against some really good players. I mean, I was getting rocked. And so I said, all right, I need to, tr- I, I need to do some stuff that's going to improve my velocity, improve my, right. you know, my breaking, my off-speed stuff. And, you know, at first I didn't want to put the work in. I was like, well, no, I just, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And, right. you know, and I was getting rocked and I finally had a trainer be like, listen, like you want, you want to play in the, at the next level, you need to work on these things. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be an overnight thing. You've got, to, it's the little things. It's going to be monotonous. You're right. not going to see results for weeks, months, but I promise you, if you stick to it, 
you're mm-hmm. going to see success. Mm-hmm. And so I, he finally got into my head and I was stubborn and I had a thick skull and I was lazy mm-hmm. and he, he found a way to, to get to me. And I think cause he was a very like old school guy. He had a BB yeah. gun. He had a BB <laughs> gun. And if I if my mechanics were wrong pitching, he would shoot the ground next to my feet. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was one of those That's guys. Awesome. That's but awesome. It, yeah. But it was, I, I started learning that and I started seeing the fruits of the, the labor. Right. And that's right. what I realized, like, you know, there's right. If you just, if you stick to it and, 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 and just dedicate yourself to the process and mm-hmm. trust it, then success will come. And I think that right. translates very well into an entrepreneurial world. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And there's nothing like a little bit of, uh, you know, pain to motivate you along the way, you know, but a little, little physical, like a shot of a BB gun. Uh, oh, yeah. but yeah, I, at least. Yeah, at least a threat, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm sure a few of them ricocheted every once in a while. And, I don't, there, uh, was, there was no there was no BBs in the in the no BBs. The oh, no, man. I, I, I found out later. He said you there found were later on. Yeah, he was like he, I, later on. He's like I would never. I would have never, loaded, <laughs> I never shot you. <laughs> loaded BB gun, man. What are you talking yeah. about? I wouldn't do that. That's pretty funny though. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've had situations on you know being an athlete and just you know, you overcome an injury and that's typically, I feel like where Mm -hmm. athletes are able to, it it separates the true athlete from the one that's just there for the hobby. You know, it's like, are you going to get injured and then come back even stronger? Or are you going to get injured and then, you know, say, Oh, you know, I'm a washed up baseball player. Like, you know, I blew my elbow out or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or are you going to get the surgery, you know, come back, do the rehab and really push through. And that, is like the daily life of having your own company. I feel as though, and you can probably relate to that. It, it probably happens to you on a minute to second to hourly basis every day, right? There's just a new fire to put out. There's something new that you have to overcome. Now you go from, you know, building tallow, but in the back of your mind, you have this, you know, this little itch that you got to scratch of, I love the outdoors. I love, I'm, I'm finding this new thing, the ocean, which I love so dearly. How am I going to scratch this it, this itch? But at the same time, how am I going to uh, you know really connect it with one of my passions? Yeah. So yeah. how did that how did that start to you know congeal and come together? Um, well, I'll tell you this. Um, it wasn't really it wasn't really a, an itch I wanted to scratch. Um, I actually never get, like going back going back in time again. Mm-hmm. I was scared to do anything on my own. I didn't know anything about you know uh, manufacturing prototyping. Uh, taxes scared the living daylights <laughs> out of me because I, I know it's like, okay, well, there's this whole finance thing and I've got to withhold right. taxes for X amount of things. And all that stuff just scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, when I started ta- when I started with Tallow, I was terrified, it, but it was a leap I took. It was like the first big step in my life to right. do something different. Um, and, and, and Atola started around the same time. Uh, and I think it was just kind of serendipitous that they both happened um, in concert. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, the, what, what I was learning in tallow was then translating over to what I was learning at Atolas and not, right. you know, one or the other. Um, but basically, um, you know, I, I started really spending a whole lot of time on the water. Um, you know, I, paddle boarding was a, it still is a mm-hmm. huge thing for me. I love how, how simple, I love being in the water simply disconnected right. with a little amount of equipment as possible. So paddleboarding was a, a no brainer for me. Surfing. I love surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it's just, cause you can just walk out there and just do it. Um, right. and there's a, there's a purity to it anyway. Yeah. So, um, the problem was, is that, you know, I bring very few things with me on my paddleboard. I bring my <laughs> PFD, I bring my whistle and I bring my sunglasses. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I, 
I, I wear prescription sunglasses. Um, my sight is is terrible, and so you know I have to unfortunately you know put the extra money into getting prescription sunglasses. But I love them. Um, these are Costa um, Remoras. Good um, pair. Yeah, no, they're great. Yeah. And um and so but I've lost too many of them, Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just and it's it's never like it's not like I'm like you know it's not out of clumsiness, right? It just happens when you least expect. Like I remember one morning I was on my paddleboard and I was trying to like get a really good picture from my phone because the sunrise mm-hmm. was coming up and I was like, oh, my son, I kept bending down like this and my sunglasses were hanging over. So I was like, okay, here, let me just take them off and right. put them on the board. Next thing I know, I take the picture, I move my hand right, done, gone. Yep. Um, and I had a retainer on them too, but it wasn't floating and they went to the bottom and this was in the middle of uh, uh, Folly River, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right in the, right, basically intercoastal waterway. So right. uh, I wasn't going to see those again. So that happened two or three more times. Um, <laughs> and the final time was when I remember I was in the Kiwa River. It was a morning paddle in July of 2012. And um, it was a, it was very hot morning, very still morning. I remember the mosquitoes biting like crazy. And I was, uh, I was paddling down the Kiwa River and out of nowhere, this, uh, this skiff comes blazing through um, you know, and he wasn't expecting a paddleboarder at like, you know, seven in the morning. Right. So I didn't blame him for it. But he, <laughs> you know, so he, he he just blazes right through the channel and I get caught in some wake um, and I, I fall off the board. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a very, I'm not a very good paddleboarder, by the way, but I love it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with that, I, I gather all my stuff up. And again, I had my sunglasses on like this, uh, but they must have slipped off my head somehow, lost them. And right then and there, I paddled right back in and said, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get, I'm going to go find a floating hour retainer and just nip right. this in the bud. And so I drove home, went on my, went on my computer and just started researching being like, okay, where can I find a floating hour retainer? Mm-hmm. And after about 20 minutes, 30 minutes of searching, I realized that I wouldn't wear any of this stuff. Um, they were clunky looking, huge, mm-hmm. um, very ill conceived, very seemed like, you know, and nothing against, nothing against the companies making them, you know, like they're, they're big retainer companies, but right. it seemed like the floating aspect was an afterthought. It was like, hey, let's mm-hmm. take our product, just slap a huge bobber on it that's neon yellow and and call it a day. Right. And I, that wasn't for me. And then I started looking at to see, okay, what's the buoyancy, you know, what's the minimum buoyancy on some of this stuff? And I started looking mm-hmm. at that and half of them don't even have that. Um, they just say, we'll float, you know, plastic frames with plastic uh, lenses or plastic right. frames with glass lenses. And then I was like, okay, so I got maybe. Yeah, so maybe. So I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I got to buy one now, (laughs) and then and then hope it works. So it just didn't. It just it wasn't. I. It was kind of kind of crazy that this 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 market hadn't given given more attention, especially since it's focused on people who are going to be in the water. Mm -hmm. And there's people who love the water like me, and also will have these no matter what. And then there's I looked at floating eyewear. And I have nothing against floating eyewear, but again, yeah. like I don't, I don't want floating eyewear. I like my right. Costa del Mars. That's my brand. Yeah, I can't I help you. it. <laughs> yep, I got, I got mine right over here. I got mine over here. Yeah, they, need a, they need a little help, but I mean, there's mm-hmm. a big crack in them. But you know, yeah, I'm a Costa guy through and through. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So you know, so you get it. Um, yeah. And so then I said, you know what? I think I can do this better. I think I don't know if I can, but I've got. I'm, a, I'm a bit creative, and I've mm-hmm. got a bit of engineering in me. You know, and I like, and I like fiddling with things. Um, you know, I like creating things. And so let me, let's give it a shot. You know, mm-hmm. I felt, I started feeling, I felt that's where I felt the itch. I felt a spark. I was like, this is possible. That this shouldn't be too hard. Let me see if I can figure out developing a floating, a performance level floating eye retainer system 
that would be for someone like me, an avid water enthusiast who needs the, needs them to be buoyant, mm-hmm. needs them to be minimal, needs them to be dry quickly, and needs them to be flexible, right? right. Let them let let me be able to be pliable and moldable and not just be kind of uh, static and mm-hmm. constraining. Um, and so that's where the journey began to design the ultimate auto retainer for life on the water. That's super cool. That's super cool. And it's such an interesting, it's such a great story because it's a story that, you know, I hear all the time. It's like, I have a problem. I need a solution. And all the current solutions, they either don't exist or they suck, you know? And Mm -hmm. as someone who has lost, you know, multiple pairs of sunglasses, you know, after, you know, spending, because you know how they are. I mean, that pair of sunglasses probably cost what, 250 bucks or something like that? Maybe three? I hate to admit how much it cost. It was yeah. about $450. Holy crap. That's, yeah. a, that's an expensive pair. So you lose, you lose three pairs and now you're out a grand on sunglasses, mm-hmm. right? Whereas you can buy you know, your floating retainer, which is what? Retailing for $19.99 online, right? That's right. So it, it's, it's really an insurance policy. But what I love is how you... You know, there was no itch to scratch. It was just this, hey, I want to try and fix this problem, you know, for me. And then mm-hmm. then you went out and did that. So what was what were some of the first steps that you took, you know, not really having all the skill sets, you know, to to literally put these things together, right? There's gotta be some sort of recipe that you gotta go by. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know the recipe. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really have a starting point. It really the, the I was lucky to know a buddy of mine named Jordy, who uh, mm-hmm. went, he was in the landscape architecture program with me at UGA and uh, was a very crafty, very, um, um, very hands-on. He was a builder. He's a craftsman. Right. And it's, it's funny now he, he actually uh, does construction and remodels homes and stuff like that. He doesn't practice landscape architecture anymore. He actually, he knew he wanted to be in fabrication and construction mm-hmm. more. So he got into that. But anyway, so he was a very, uh, he was a, he was a craftsman and had that talent. So I gave him a call. And uh, said, hey, listen, I've got this idea and I'm playing around with some different materials and things like that. That was the first thing I did was buy materials, like mm-hmm. raw materials of what I thought I wanted to use. At the, the, right. first, the first material I started with was, was, uh, was cork. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why that's a bad idea. Because uh, <laughs> I learned a lot through uh, a lot of field testing and a lot of uh, R&D. But, um, I many, con- sunglasses <laughs> many sunglasses later. Many sunglasses later. Uh, I contacted Jordy and said, Hey, here's my idea. Could you, if we got together and talked and, you know, would, would, do you think you'd be able to build maybe like a prototype based on what I'm trying to design? Mm-hmm. And, um, she said, yeah, sure, definitely. Let's work together. So actually for a little bit, I worked with, uh, with uh, this guy named Jordy, a good friend of mine who, uh, helped me get the first, the very first prototype out. And actually, if you, if you'll, if you'll yeah, bear with me, I'll show I'd you the, the very first ones. I'd love they're, to. Ve- they're very different than the current generation. Um, so the name was Corky's, much to my wife's chagrin. She hated <laughs> she hated the name. But so here they are. So, oh, no way. Yeah. So this is the very first generation of what would become Atolas. Um, again, Corky's, it was a shaped cork floater. Yep. Or not, yeah, shaped cork floater. Had these plastic ends to kind of like taper down to kind of this nice oval egg shape. And then we used right. this, uh, this kind of braided nylon um, kind of multicolored rope, kind of like climbing mm-hmm. rope. Um, and then, and that was really it. And so they I actually look pretty cool. Yeah. I thought they were, like, I think they, so. looked, they looked really cool. Um, and again, it was like the, 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 the MVP prototype, that minimally viable product. Right. And so what we did is we went to go, he sent them over. I said, all right, well, let's go test them out. Me and my wife were actually going to the Bahamas with her family. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey, let's go test them out over the week. And what we found, we, it was a rude awakening, right? Um, cork will not float as much as you think, number one. <laughs> um, number two, it is very absorbent. 
So if you have sunscreen on your neck or sweat or oil, it'll absorb it and it's very tough to get off. And, um, and so you'd have to seal it up, but sealing adds weight, which would, which would then decrease buoyancy and so on. Right. Um, and then the nylon, everything stayed wet a lot. Mm-hmm. And so while it looked cool from, from a performance standpoint, it was nowhere near the level we wanted it to be. Right. So looked cool, didn't perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put Atolas to rest for about a year. While I, while me and me and Casey focused on ta- on tallow um, mm-hmm. to kind of get that company going, which is completely different. It took up my entire life, um, but uh, you know, I still was able to go back and do napkin sketches and do revisions and sure. kind of like Gen two. Um, and so when I was able to finally get back into it back in 2014, I realized, okay, what about bamboo? Mm. Bamboo work because um, I love the look of bamboo. I love the natural raw smooth, just strided lines of bamboo. So I thought aesthetically, sure. I was thinking aesthetically more than performance, which I shouldn't have. That was mistake number one. I, was, I wasn't I was putting performance first. Okay. So let me get you, let yeah, me get you that one. It. Gen two. Gen two. Okay. So it. we realized that the rope would stay wet all the time. And also it wasn't, it wasn't um, pliable, right? It's mm-hmm. just one static length. And when you're on the water, you need, you never know when you got to do this. Never know. Mm. Um, and so that's why we said, Hey, let's go to silicone. That's the okay. better high. Yeah. Let's go to medical grade silicone that provides non-conducive properties, quick drying and extremely flexible. So made sense. Right. Okay. So here's gen two. Oh, all um, right. We're so getting closer, getting closer. So we now have the silicone we actually introduced at this time. This is actually a reflective material. I like that. So we were trying to think of like, hey, how, is there a way for this to actually have a safety type um, feature on it where if you're in low light conditions, if light catches this, you can see it. Um, right. And it's just a it's a it's a nice kind of visibility feature. Sure. Um, and then you can see this is kind of a, a bamboo floater. Right. So cons pros looks really cool, in my opinion. Cons um, extremely heavy um, mm-hmm. doesn't float a lot at all. Bamboo and cork, you think no they're very float. buoyant. Not a lot of float. Yeah. So the only way to get the only way to get maximum float, which after our R and D would be fifty grams. Um, I can okay. I can share that. I can always share. I can share that story how we figured that out. That's funny. I, that's that was my next question. Is like you know when you were because you shared it with me before is you going into the sunglass hut and literally figuring out how buoyant do I need to make this thing? Yeah. So we needed a baseline of all right. Um, we want to know. If we created a floating hour retainer, we wanted to float virtually all pairs of sunglasses. So you mm-hmm. could grab it off the rack and we're confident that you could take that home and once you get the water, it'll float your sunglasses. So right. we needed a baseline. So we went to Sunglass Hut with a with a, with a little um with one of those little pocket um little scales. Yeah. And um I went to the front desk and I said, Okay, this is gonna sound kind of weird. <laughs> um, but can I weigh all of your sunglasses <laughs> just to see how much they weigh. And she said, why would you want to do that? And the first thing that came to my mind was, Oh, it's for my kid's science project. <laughs> so I completely made that up. I, I guess I was trying to be protective of like my idea. Right. Um, right. And so I started, she said, well, yeah, sure. And I started doing it. And the other represent all the other reps and, and people that were working there got really interested and fascinated by it because I guess <laughs> no one's ever weighed the glasses. And so they right. also started bringing their glasses to me and grabbing stuff off the racks and being like, Hey, weigh this one. How much is this way? Ooh, I bet, awesome. I bet this one's going to be really heavy. Yeah. And it was actually quite, really quite fun. 
Um, and so we found that the heaviest pair of sunglasses that I could find, and I, I went there, I also looked online. I talked to Smith, I talked to mm -hmm. Costa, I talked to Canon, um, called all the major sunglass manufacturers asking for their heaviest pair of sunglasses. And the winner from my research is Maui Jim. They have a pair called um, the World Cups, which, huh. is this, uh, which are these massive uh, uh, pro-grade uh, sailing sunglasses. They actually okay. have a, a rubber coating on the frames. Huh. And they weigh in at 52 grams, um, which I think translates to about like just under two ounces maybe. I may be wrong. Okay. So – I said that this is the pair. This is the one we test on. So we took that pair and every generation from that point on did not pass the test unless it floated that pair of sunglasses. And so that was the big, that was one of the big tests. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's such a, just a great little snippet of how, you know, you overcame a challenge, right? It was like this thing of, Hey, I, I need, I need to go weigh sunglasses. And mm -hmm. I've been in, I've been in similar positions where it's like, you don't quite want to tell someone what you're up to. So you kind of make up this front a little bit and maybe it's somewhat dissimilar to what you're doing just to get it, get your point across. But I love that yeah. story. So, so you go from weighing these sunglasses, you're now you're at mm -hmm. gen three. Mm-hmm. But there's also this other component, which is like the whole brand side of things, right? Yeah. And like, so how do we get, we have this awesome product, but how do I get it into the hands of people like me, right? And, you know, you're, you're, you're in the same boat, whereas you, you just love the outdoors, right? You need to interact and, and in some way tell your story to touch the consumer yeah. enough so they can kind of get on board. And I feel as though it, it's more than just an insurance policy, right? Because it's really a representation of everything you love to do and as a result you know created this to amplify that experience and and make sure that you're at the end of the day you don't lose your sunglasses right save you money absolutely so you know you mentioned the name atolas is you know named after the jellyfish where did that where did that even come from because you know i mean you went from what were they called corkies so we went from Corky's. Yeah, you went from Corky's. Then we went to an even worse name, Seamies. Seamies? <laughs> Where do you Seamies, get that yeah. from? Well, you know, we want you could see them if they were floating in the water, and C was spelled S-E-A. Uh, right. I know, I know, yeah. And trust <laughs> me, I know it was terrible. And my wife was the first one to tell you that there was it was <laughs> well, awful. Glad... Actually, you got your Go you got yourself an honest partner then. <laughs> partner in crime. Oh, Oh, she's honest, but she's super talented. She's the one who helped me come up with the name. Um, you know, so we started to get to Gen 3, right? And Gen mm -hmm. 3, by, by this time, I was feeling really confident in where the design was going. I was still sketching. I sketch a whole lot. It's something mm -hmm. I love to do in my free time. Again, being a landscape architect, one of the things we would do is we would go to these places that would be, you know, just maybe attractive land. And if we were designing a community, right. we would try to envision the the, the space on what you were designing. And so a lot mm -hmm. of sketching, a lot of freeform stuff. And so I got pretty decent at, you know, designing forms and things like that. So the sketch really started to evolve into a much more organic, sleek. I was stripping things down. I was like, we mm. don't need this reflective material. It's too much. We don't need the, the tricolor, you know, the, you know, it doesn't need to be three colors in here. Let's strip it down and kind of mm -hmm. go, kind of, you know, kind of go how basically Apple did with their technology was stripping it right. down to just the very basics. Um, and I was feeling really good about that. And it was taking on this very sleek, organic, marine-like form. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really liking where it was going. Um, and, uh, and basically, I was with my wife 
And I really am, I was really following a lot of the, you know, with branding and I mm-hmm. wanted this to really, obviously it's gotta work. It's gotta be at the right. highest level. It's gotta perform out there. Um, I also wanted to be somewhat of a symbol. If, mm-hmm. I, if you saw someone wearing this, you wanted to connect that product with, okay, that guy loves the water or right. that guy is, you know, he's an avid enthusiast, enthusiast of the ocean or rivers and lakes or whatever. Sure. Similar um, to Costa. The similar Costa, you know, and yeah. one of the brands I really studied hard was Yeti. Um, okay. You know, Yeti did a phenomenal job with taking, you know, a, a, a product, um, a, 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 a very high end product, right. Mm-hmm. That you would, that you would, that was a very, that was a big surprise at first when it came on the market, right. A yeah. $300 cooler. Who's going to buy that, right. Yeah. It's crazy. But what they did so incredibly well was develop the story and brand and lifestyle around it. So that yeah. way, when you have a Yeti, yeah, it's not so much. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hold ice for twelve days. Like, right. you get it. Um, a lot of coolers will do a, some of the same things. Um, yep. But you designed it based on the lifestyle you were living. The founders designed it because they needed a they needed a platform to stand on when they were side casting for fish. Right. Um, in Texas, and so it was cool that they said like, hey, that need that didn't like, that didn't necessarily uh, connect to uh, the primary use for a cooler. Mm-hmm. That's what started driving the design. Um, and then, of course, they developed, you know, the stories behind Yeti. Who uses Yeti? Like the lifestyle around Yeti. And they did such right. a great job building that brand around it. And so I wanted to do something similar with the Tolas and really focus a lot on that. And so with that, I needed a really unique name. And at the time, my wife was like, well, you need to change it from Simi's, that's for sure. And I said, well, hey, listen, <laughs> could you help me? And my wife actually works for a branding, a branding and ad agency. So I'm very oh, lucky awesome. in that regard. Yeah. And, she yeah. Said, and she said, give me a few minutes. Let me think about it. And then she came up to me and she goes, hey, listen, you should maybe check out, you know, creatures of the sea, right? Look up, Mm -hmm. like, especially deep sea creatures who maybe, maybe have bioluminescence, um, you know, highly, highly visible. Because that's one thing you have, right? Is that if you lose them, you'll be able to see them on top of the water and there's visibility there. So you can play off that. I love that. Yeah. So I did some research and I stumbled upon the Atolla jellyfish, which is found mm-hmm. in all, the, it's found in the midnight zone of the oceans across the world. So it is everywhere across the world. It's this beautiful red jellyfish that emits this dazzling bioluminescence. And I just started saying the name to myself and looking at it. And then I looked at the, my, my prototype and I was like, huh, this thing really does look like a jellyfish, right? I, right. Call, I call the floater the body and I call the, um, the, these little side things the tentacles. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw it. I said, there's a connection here. There's something here. And so right. started playing with Atola, Atolas, and then that's when it hit us. And we said, it's going to Atolas. Yeah. And uh, that's when we developed the branding and the logo, which as you can see is a, a jellyfish type um, right. uh, logo. And, and that's where we went from there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's super interesting that, you know, you took the environment that was, you know, seemingly around you and then formatted that into what would become your brand and your product. And I was speaking with, um, the gentleman that owns a brand called Drift Dog and, um, his name is Ben Sherpentine. I actually uh, recorded the episode with him, uh, very recently. And one of the things that he mentioned was when he was going through creating the, the designs for his shirts and apparel and whatnot mm-hmm. was he wanted to mimic the environment around him and portray that in such a way that it opened up people to his perspective, but at the same time allowed someone to take their perspective on the environment as well. Right. Cause if we go out into the, into the marsh, for instance, right, we're going to go look for snook or in my case, we're going to go fish for some striped bass. Um, you know, everyone sees the ocean in a different light. Everyone goes on a hike and sees different leaves and different plants. And, you know, it, it's all what the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. I mean, that's kind of corny to say that, but it's so true, you know, and, mm-hmm. 
for you to take that brand, but coming from a landscape architecture background, I find is really interesting. And I, when you said that you had to draw the landscape and build something around the landscape, it's very much so the same pattern that you took to then create a tolus. Mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as though it's the same, it's the same workflow. I mean, to, to put it simply. Yeah, no, definitely, Zach. And I didn't even, to be honest with you, I never even thought about it until you just <laughs> mentioned it. I, I think that, you know, when you're when you're a landscape architect or an architect or anyone who's just designing or creating anything, you're going to be influenced by your surroundings. You're going to be mm-hmm. influenced subconsciously even by what you're trying to do. And I think in this case, you know, as I started getting into the, the, the later iterations of the design for Atolas, the keepers, um, they did start taking a more... I called it a shark-like appearance at first, like just this right. more, just very sleek, this mm-hmm. biomimic, this biomimicry type style. Sure. Um, that it, I, I wish I could say it was intended from the get-go, but it wasn't. Um, and right. I guess it was just, it just subconsciously was just kind of coming into my mind based on what I saw, based on where I saw the end product being, which was out in the right. ocean and the rivers and lakes and stuff. Right, right. Well, it's funny you mentioned sharks because when I, I might've told you this story last time, but when I, when I lost my pair of sunglasses recently, which were another pair of Costas, I've lost like three or four pairs now. I, I'm going to have to get my hands on a pair of Atolas. And um, I- send I, you a pair. <laughs> thanks. I, uh, I uh, was getting off a charter. It was like 1 a.m. in the morning and I, put my head down to go look at, uh, you know, the hull or something and the sunglasses slide off my head. Now in Hawaii, in the Harbor, Honokaha Harbor, which is on the big Island of Hawaii for those that are listening is, uh, there's a shark that lives there and her name is Laverne and Laverne hangs out in the Harbor and eats all the ripped fish. Right. So she, chances are that when you're in the Harbor, Laverne is either nearby or she's swimming right next to you. And That's she's incredible. A, yeah, yeah. Well, it's incredible until you see her and you're like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go swimming in there. Um, but uh, some people do. I never did until I had to jump in after my uh, after I lost my sunglasses. It was like a quick in and out. I was not hanging out there for very long. But, um, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, that you made that realization. But in, in some sense, you know, subconsciously, right, we always have these challenges that we have to overcome, you know, mm-hmm. one being design and one being, you know, coming up with a name. And was there any other challenges or, or one in particular or an experience that kind of sticks out to you that was like, man, I, I just want to wave the white flag here. Like, yes. I, it's such a cool product. But at the same time, like, I got tallow, I got a wife, I got family, friends, like, I got too much going on. Mm-hmm. But you, you just you want to keep moving forward with this so was there ever ever some time or experience that you were like ah i'm done like let's keep moving yeah there were a couple times uh both during the manufacturing process Mm. um that that world in and of itself is so incredibly different and complex that it is if for any for anyone listening who is thinking about designing a product um my my recommendation would be to um, hire a professional to help you from the get-go from prototyping to manufacturing to sourcing manufacturing in particular because mm-hmm. there are so many options and there's so many paths you could take um, and there's so many wrong answers mm-hmm. um, that if you don't know where you're going it's really easy to end up in a dark alley um, and you know and then be set back months even years of what you want right. to do so I want to say I got fairly lucky in my experience um, I, I went ahead and found a, uh, a prototyping company mm-hmm. uh, that actually was in Miami um, still is Miami, uh, a company called Lime Design. Um, hmm. they did, they did such a phenomenal job. The gentleman's name is Rodrigo Lima. It's a small company 
And, um, he was, he held my hand through the entire process with him. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can only take the idea so far. I needed someone that had that manufacturing and prototyping experience and that's right. what they brought. And so this was my first big commitment, like expense wise. Right. Yeah. Cause that's really where, you know, I was trying to bootleg the whole or bootstrap the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where you first start experiencing the first like real commitment to what this <laughs> right. is. Like, okay, you really want to do this, huh? Yeah. So, um, I did find that, um, paying more to have that guide in the world was worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it saved me time and expense, but that person not only helped me develop the prototype and test out new materials and not only that, but design, you know, design the CAD drawings and the cam drawings and 3d right. modeling and the and tooling and all that stuff. I know nothing about mm-hmm. to get the perfect ratio of buoyancy to size, the perfect combination of materials that guy helped me do it. And then he helped me source manufacturers that would be willing to build it, which is a whole right. other thing because then you have to find a manufacturer yeah. that's willing to do something for less than 20,000 minimum units. Um, right. It was a crazy experience, but what, where I started feeling the wear and tear was during the actual uh, manufacturing process or, cause you're going to run into a lot of, you're going to hit a lot of hurdles. You're going to experience mm-hmm. a lot of things that you didn't see coming, you know, Hey, it's the, all the math said it was going to float, but Hey, you know what? It's not floating the weight. Uh, so yeah, you got to go yeah. back to the drawing board. You got to figure out, okay, you, you can get, you can do another generation. You can do another design, but they're going to mm-hmm. have to do more tooling, do a right. brand new mold. And there's no guarantee that it's going to work the way you want it to. And mm-hmm. so you have to just take these risks. And we did something here. I, I brought them. Oh, here we go. I got some more for you. Okay. So how many generations do you have? Seven or eight. I'm on the Holy ninth. Crap. Gener- the ninth generation is the one that's currently for sale, and we're constantly trying to figure out ways to make it better. We already have some good ideas, yeah. Um, but the, the our flagship product, which is the Atolas Keeper, right. um, is 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 doing really well. It's it's finding its niche, um, mm-hmm. especially with the limited amount of time I've been able to put into like marketing it and reaching out to people. Right. Um, it's finding its niche, which is great. But yeah. Anyway, so what we want to do is we started small, right? We wanted this to be as minimal as possible, so we started out with a smaller version. Mm. Um. So it was more minimal, but it weighed less, but it only floated up to, I want to say like 32, 33 grams, which is mm-hmm. about maybe 70% of sunglasses, which right. it could be passable in today's market, but I didn't want that. I wanted this to float. No, this is a total. Right. This is going to float all the sunglasses. It's got to float the Maui gyms. It's got to float the Maui world cups. <laughs> it has to. That's and right. so this one didn't do that. Didn't even yeah. come even close actually, but it did float a lot of pairs. So we said, all right, it's too small. It needs to be bigger. Mm-hmm. Question is how much bigger? Okay, well, it can be 5% bigger, 10% bigger, 50% bigger. You know, you can do the math and figure out the mass and the buoyancy ratios and all of that good stuff. But mm-hmm. again, there's no guarantee. You have to build the tooling. You have to build the mold and create the product. So then we said, let's go, let's go 20% bigger. Big mistake. See how so oh my is, god, massive. This was huge. Right. Yeah. And so immediately we got this. And yeah, it floats like 70 grams. It'll it'll <laughs> float a it'll I mean it'll float a bowling ball. Yeah. But it was just like no one's gonna this is way too big. No one's gonna right. wear this. We need to find a happy medium of buoyancy, but it's being as minimal as possible. Yep. So this is where things got tough. So it's like, all right, I've got to go to another generation. This is the third round, and there's still no guarantee. So I I gotta I looked up math algorithms on the internet <laughs> and found one closest. And I was like, I've got to, I'm actually going to bank this, this next decision on how good my math is, which is a big risk. <laughs> and I found out that if I went theoretically, um, 
about eight and a half percent from the original size, mm-hmm. you would get an ideal an ideal size, which is palatable, not very big, um, not the smallest, but will but not very big. That will float fifty plus grams. And so I put the I, I put my mental money on that and said, all right, let's do it, and uh, mm-hmm. was able to pull off the uh, what I didn't think was going to be possible, which was a minimally designed performance eye retainer that floated virtually all pairs of sunglasses out there. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's where I felt this, this, that's where I really felt the pressure and then the heat yeah, I bet. was when I had to go that far into the manufacturing process when I didn't intend to at all. Right. Right. So, I mean, now that you're kind of at that point where you, you have your product, it's, it's out and about, I mean, you know, I, I we met through my friend, John, who yeah. I have met, uh, several people now through him, which has been great. It's been very cool to be able to meet people online and then it all kind of comes back around and cycles through. Um, so people like him, right? How do you, how are you getting in touch with all these people that are out on the water? I mean, what's kind of your strategy been so far? John's a great example because it seems as though you guys were kind of using has him as like a, as like a dual purpose. Like at the same mm-hmm. time he was, he was marketing your product by just going out and using it. But at the same time he's going and taking pictures and product shots and, and helping you on that end. So yeah. what's, what's been the strategy going forward with, Hey, we got this awesome product in this great brand. How do we go about pushing it out to the world? Yeah, no, that's and that's where that's been. It's been a lot of fun, um, and that's one the one thing I wish I could accelerate. Um, mm-hmm. But what I've been doing is I knew I don't have the time to also start calling on all these stores and visiting, you know, all these stores because right. I would love to. I would love to go visit in person, share with them the product, show them the show them the properties. Because when I have done that, I'm from the Charleston area, and when mm-hmm. I go into a store in Charleston they, they really like what they see, um, you know, because I'm able to, I'm able to show them in person they can hold it and feel it and try it right. on, um, with a floating hour retainer, it's a bit tougher, um, because mm-hmm. someone may say, Oh, I need those, but I'm not quite sure if they're, they, are they going to be heavy? Are they, am I going to feel them on the back of my neck? Right. They have all these questions, right? So what I wanted to do is say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on sales or growing the company. You know, I've bootstrapped everything. So I don't, I don't owe anything, which is a, mm-hmm. a blessing. Um, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to reach out to those fellow water enthusiasts. I used Instagram has been wonderful for me. Mm-hmm. And what I've been doing is I've been finding the ones that I, I feel are similar to me, which spend a lot of time on the water. Um, we're talking, you know, offshore kayak fishermen, paddleboard yep. fishermen, um, uh, whitewater rafting guides, um, fly fishing guides, anyone who's on the water all the time. Right. And I reached out to them and just say, and I just want them, I say, Hey, listen, I thought I'd take a chance reaching out to you. Um, I would, uh, here's what I've done. I would just love to send you a pair and get your feedback. Mm-hmm. Just let me know what, let me know what you think about. Um, and so I've done that and, uh, I've got a great response. I've got quite a, quite a few people have reached back out and say, Hey, this looks, this looks really cool. Yeah, definitely. Send me a pair. I'll give you some feedback. Yeah. And it's been one of the greatest sources of feedback. And what's been awesome is 99% of it's been wonderful feedback. And the 1% has been extremely constructive feedback of how we can make right. it better. Um, and then it's really cool is when the, when the, when these, uh, these people who I reach out to agree to it, they really become believers. Um, and they then offer, um, unsolicited, which is really cool. And extremely thankful for is they say, listen, like, are you okay with me, you know, taking pictures of this or, Hey, I'll be wearing it in the fishing tournament this weekend. Like look out for some pictures and it's cool. They just start, they kind of like, they kind of just get bought into the kind of like the family. Yeah, and you know, and when they do that, I was like, "That's really, that's really cool of you. Thank you." And I'll, you know, I'll send them, you know, just to say thank you. I'll send a hat, a T-shirt, stickers, stuff like that. Sure. Just to say thanks, and I, and that's really what's helped me 
it's been the kind of the ultra organic growth. And John was one of those people who actually uh, reached out to me first. Um, mm. He must have seen me on Instagram through maybe a, um, a hashtag or something like that. And yeah. he reached out to me and uh, said, hey, I think this stuff's really cool. Um, would love to try them out. And, um, you know, I'm also a photographer and things like that. I'd, I'm always looking for ways to uh, improve my skill. And so in his regard, I was like, well, you, 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 you seem like you're cut from, yeah, you seem like you're cut yeah. from the same cloth as me. And if you want to improve your photography, you know, I'll never say no to free photography. I'm a small business right. and <laughs> for sure, let's give it a shot. And so he, he really likes them too. And so yeah. that's really, and I'm, and that's what I'm just going to continue to do is just slowly get the authentic mm -hmm. buy-in from people who truly believe in this. Um, right. I really believe that only, only then will this thing really uh, take hold because I do want people to believe that hey this stuff this this really does work it's very comfortable um mm -hmm. it's, it's phenomenal on the water and when you when those glasses finally go over man <laughs> you're when your heart stops beating so fast you're gonna be thinking um you know you're gonna be, you're gonna be thinking the good lord that you know you, you agreed to try a <laughs> <Right>. pair out <laughs> right 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 but it, there's a lot to be said about having a brand that grows organically and authentically you know, I mean, mm -hmm. and, and so many times I, I feel like I see these brands that are, it happens a lot with apparel brands because it's a lot more people can, can invest a few dollars into a t-shirt than rather going into tooling an, an entirely new product, right? Out of nowhere and making mm -hmm. that really big commitment like you did. But you know, what happens is, is they, they kind of grow, they fail and they're, they just kind of like sputter out and, and to ha see a brand that's really authentic and true to its core and, and its mission and, you know, you as a guy who, who's, who's that person that's out there living, you know, the, the waterman lifestyle, I guess you could say, right. And, and sees a clumsy, this as a, a clumsy, man a, a, a clumsy <laughs> version of the waterman lifestyle. It's just really, really cool. Now, you know, I think in every story, there's always a, a few people that are kind of in the, behind the scenes, right. That maybe just don't get the light as just because it's just you know, they're not the face of it. So is there anyone that has kind of helped you along the way in, in a part of your team that is kind of in the background, really pushing you and, and motivating you to, to really make a toll come, come true? Yeah, definitely. Um, so number one, uh, my wife, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure the countless hours of me talking about this <laughs> and, and uh, she's my official, she is my official pioneer and field tester. Um, yep. You know, I owe her for the name. I owe her for the constant tweaks um, for the frustrations that I would share in the middle of the night with like, yeah. how do I, how do I get over this hurdle? And right. just say, Hey, just, just here, just sleep on it. Everything's going to be okay. So she was yeah. very, she was the one who called me down let me think clearly and then wake mm -hmm. up the next day and be like, okay, let's approach this a different way and see if we right. can solve it. Um, I, the uh, gentleman, his name's Chris Eddington. Um, mm -hmm. He was a graphic designer at my, uh, my wife's agency, but then has moved on. He's in Pittsburgh now. And I've always respected this guy's designs. Uh, he's a graphic designer, phenomenal. And uh, I brought him the idea of Atolas and what I was thinking and the inspiration. And he was able to develop this incredible brand around it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, I don't know if you've heard of Island Coastal Lager, um, but it's kind of, kind of an upcoming beer. I think it's more of a Southern thing, but, you know, he, okay. he's done stuff like that. And so for him to give me his time and energy when he could be right. working on so many more important things yeah. um, was really a blessing. Yeah, um, super cool. Yeah, my family uh, who you know, who, uh, you know, who are my first customers and, you know, my, <laughs> you know, kind of like the friends and family kind of like, Hey, I'm yeah. live and they're sharing on Facebook and stuff like that. Right. You no, know, it's, that was always really cool. So they've always, they've always had my back. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, definitely, definitely those people and, you know, friends and stuff like that who have also given feedback as well. 
Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I can't tell you how much, you know, to have that team behind you and, and mm-hmm. you really are the, you know, the five people that you are closest to and, and having that team behind you just to keep pushing, mm-hmm. like at, during the tough times, like when this podcast first started, it, it was just friends and family, you know, and that were listening to it. And I was like, ah, this is great, but you know, I want, I want, you know, random people to, to listen to it that I don't even know. And and now we're at this point where, you know, I'm getting these messages uh, over Instagram, like, Hey, I was listening to your podcast today or, or they're building cool. a boat. Yeah. It's super cool. And it's weird. You know, it's very weird to see that my voice is now in someone else's head and, and to think that your sunglasses, you know, your product is, is on someone else's neck. Right. And they're saving someone's uh, sunglasses from going into the water. It's a very cool and, and interesting feeling. And, um, you know, one it that is I cool. It, it's super cool, and it can't be replicated unless you go out and try it yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's this one. It's funny. This one neat specific thing that you mentioned, like when you see your when you see your product out there, and you didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. there. Um, you know, one of the guys who uh, who um, who has a pair of my keepers and loves them is a mm-hmm. he's a he's a he's this he's this paddleboard fisherman down in Florida, and he does a, a lot of you know he does a, a lot of shoots. He's he's well known down there in that in yeah. that community. And, uh, you know, uh, boat, boat boards, boat paddle boards, okay. um, you're familiar with like the, the oh, performance yeah. little paddle boards. Yeah. So he does a lot of, you know, work for them and, and does field testing for a lot of their, like their new boards and stuff like that. And so sure. I got a, you know, I have, I, I have a boat paddle board as well. It's what I use mm-hmm. to, to fish from and I fish <laughs> in the flats. So I'm very familiar with the brand. And so I get an email from boat and it's kind of you know, promoting like a new product and I look at the picture right. and, and <laughs> I, I squint and in that, the picture that's supposed to be promoting the boat board is my keepers <laughs> on the model that's, that's on the boat wild. board. And so that to me, I sent it to my wife and I was like, see if you can't find something cool in this picture. And then she wrote back and she was like, that's awesome. And I was like, I know. And you know, we, we got all excited about it. So it was cool. That's so cool. That had to have been such a, a big moment of validation and, and be like, man, it's, it's actually working. Like this is gonna, it's gonna do something, you know? Well, yeah, I hope so. You know, it's yeah. a, I believe in the product. It's only going to get better. Um, you know, it does, it, it works, it performs. And, uh, you know, that was the goal as long as I, as long as I build it to the highest quality I can, um, you know, then success hopefully will follow. Um, yeah. so open and banking on that. And if it, you know, if it isn't successful, um, that's okay. I learned a whole lot, had a lot of fun. Right, right. Now, do you see the anything for the near future for Atolas? Yeah, um, you know, a couple, a lot, a lot of people reached out to me, like you know, sharing their ideas for kind of like other products and stuff like that. You know, like floating mm-hmm. keychains and things like that. And uh, you know, it's definitely in the future. Um, I really do want to focus on the the flagship product um, mm-hmm. and improving it. Um, I, I, I'm one of those guys that like if you do one thing and one thing really well. Um, I think that's a really, that's a solid path to success. Right. Um, and so one of the things I'm looking into right now, and I can't promise anything in the near future, um, but is a version of my keepers where, let's see if it's, ah, it's not here. It's a version of my keepers and I'm working on the first prototype right now mm-hmm. to where the floaters are movable to where, oh, you know, if someone buys it, it is, um, yes, you have the floater that keeps your sunglasses float, but Hey, if you want to, yep. if you, if for some reason that floater is bothering you, um, you can take it off and just have a silicone retainer and it's dead. Right. So, um, gotten some feedback and that's been some feedback that I'm taking quite seriously. Um, and if I can pull it off, I will. Um, and, uh, but currently working on that. Interesting. I like that idea. You know, it's something that, you know, cause you're always going to wear your sunglasses, but you're not necessarily always on the water. So you going out mm-hmm. to dinner, you know, maybe having this big, the, you know, the float 
retainer on, but being mm-hmm. able to pop that off and, you know, throw it in your cup holder real quick and mm-hmm. just wear something that's a little bit sleeker. And then on the, when you hop back on the boat, you pop it on, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Totally can see that as that's a very cool product and idea. But, um, Hey man, Shay, it's been a real pleasure being able to chat with you today and learn all about Atolis and just what you got going on and the story behind it. So, um, where can people learn more about it and, and pick up a pair? Well, Zach, first of all, man, just, just the fact that you, that you reached out um, and we were able to connect and do this is an absolute honor. So it's, oh, of course. It, the, 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 the pleasure is all mine. So I appreciate you giving me, giving me the time um, I appreciate to tell the that. story. Um, if uh, anyone wanted to go check out um, our keepers, um, go to www.atolas.co. That's uh, A-T-O-L-L-A-S.co, C-O. And uh, we've got keepers and we got hats and tees and all kinds of cool stuff there. So check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Facebook, Instagram, the whole bit, right? Yep. Instagram is uh, Atola's gear and uh, Facebook is Atola's gear as well. So we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram and give us a follow if you like. And uh, yeah, follow the story. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Shay. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, Zach. Pleasure's all mine again. Thank you so much for this. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to this episode of Along the Keel. It was a real pleasure to speak with Shay and learn all about Atolis and you know even touch on his company Tallow as well. Uh, he's just such a great guy, very interesting, and has a has a great story. You know, it's like you have a problem, you you want to solve it, and you realize no one else has done it, and you're like, man maybe I should do it. And, and that's what he did. So super cool to be able to talk with Shay. If you want to learn more about Atolis, you can head on over to their website as well as their Instagram, which is all linked below. And uh, make sure to give them a follow, a like, and, and share their story as well. If, if you're someone who uh, is out on the water all the time, this makes a great stocking stuffer. You know, it fits in your stocking. And as someone who uses them on a daily basis for almost about a month now, I can say for certain that they work. Uh, I've been wearing them out on the water, you know, for recreation, for my job, uh, for about a month now. And they're a great product. They stay on your head. They float. They're they're not uncomfortable like a lot of other um, brands are, right? They're they're not in the way. And um, yeah, just a great product. Great stocking stuffer, by the way. We got the holidays coming up. You know, uh, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas. Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, right? You can uh, you can throw them in there as a little gift and a thank you to your your favorite waterman. So, with that, uh, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a review. You don't understand how important these reviews are on iTunes and Apple Podcast. I really appreciate it. Just let us know what you think. Tap that five star button. It literally takes five seconds, and uh, it, it means a lot. It lets us know that we're doing a good job. If you want to learn more about Along the Keel and about all these great companies, businesses, products, innovators, entrepreneurs, and even some artists, head on over to our website, alongthekeel.com. Sign up for our newsletter dropping once a month with incredible news stories that are only available on the newsletter, but then they do come out on the website. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep that secret from you. Um, but it just, it means a lot, you know, in the future, there's going to be some discounts, some deals on there as well. So, uh, you know, maybe if you sign up now, you never know Christmas time is coming. So with that, uh, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of along the keel. Stay tuned for next week's episode with P2P rescue and the founder cliff Ray. As always, work hard, do good, and be incredible, and have a great day.